welcome to the Purely Nourish podcast. I am your host, Amanda Fitt, nutritionist, certified health coach, graduate student, (laughs) all the things. I have a private nutrition coaching practice called Purely Nourished, and I work mainly with outdoor athletes, and I work with outdoor athletes on everything from fueling strategies to increasing their energy levels, optimizing their health, troubleshooting health concerns. We do that through labs and testing sometimes and just otherwise, you know, general diet and lifestyle changes. And I also help symptom management for a lot of folks as well. So if someone's dealing with either a condition or any types of symptoms overall, we really get to the bottom of a whole bunch of different things to help increase their performance and allow them to do even better in their sport. So today, I am very excited to bring you this episode. It is feeling like fall here, kind of. It's been a tease for sure. The temperature has been going all back and forth. I'm in Central Oregon here, so it was like 90 degrees the other day. It was like raining and cold and lovely this morning, and then it's going to get warm again. I'm manifesting fall, at least I'm trying to, by eating and making all of the pumpkin things possible, but we have yet to kind of really hit that sweet spot. But tis the season for cooler temps for a lot of you, or at least we're hopefully approaching that better outdoor performance season for many of you. And so that's what really inspired this episode today. So today we are going to talk about the top five mistakes to avoid when transitioning from a training block or an off season to in season. So before we get there, first I want to do a quick announcement for you. So I have teamed up with climbing coach Erica Lineberry. She is on Instagram at Cragmama. If you know her, she is fabulous. She is phenomenal. And we are bringing you a virtual workshop all tailored towards weekend warriors. This is going to be for climbers specifically. So if you are a climber and if you are a weekend warrior, definitely listen up. We are going to be hosting this workshop on October 18th. It's going to be held over Zoom at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time um, or 8.30 Eastern time. And if you can't make those times, it's no sweat. We will definitely be sending everyone who registered the recording of the whole workshop. And I'm so excited for this. So we are really doing a deep dive for Weekend Warriors or really those who have limited time on Real Rock. And we're going to teach you how to maximize your time and maximize your performance so you can send even more things more efficiently. So it's really all about learning how to set up your week beforehand, both from a physical training perspective as well as a nutrition perspective, how to optimize your day of so you can really get the most out of your time, and even how to uh, look back on the weekend, on that Monday, and how you can really assess and adjust and then really prepare for the next week to come. So it's going to be super cool. You're going to leave with a ton of tangible, actionable tips. You're going to have a battle plan, again, from the food and the training side. It's just going to be super, super helpful. So it's for all experience level climbers, whether you're a newbie or a seasoned vet, I guarantee you will get something out of it. Up until October 10th, we're doing a little early bird discount. So you can sign up for this workshop for $27 up until the 10th. And then after that, it will jump up to $37. So definitely don't wait. If you're on the fence, I would just go ahead and snag your spot now. 
as well as after you listen to this episode about the mistakes to avoid when transitioning from an indoor season to an outdoor season, if you are a weekend warrior and if you resonate with any of the things that I talk about today, I highly, highly suggest you attend this workshop. You especially are going to get so, so much out of it. I will put the link to register for the workshop in the show notes of the show. So just make sure you go check that out in the description and sign up if you're feeling it. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and dive in to the top five mistakes to avoid when transitioning from a training block or off season to a performance season. So I'm doing this episode right now with the transition to fall because it's definitely going to be that primo, awesome climbing season coming up. But no matter what sport that you participate in, these tips and just this topic in general can really be applied to any type of outdoor sport. And that being said, everyone's in-season and out-season is going to look a little different. For example, summertime here in Central Oregon is brutally hot. It really sucks to do anything outside. And if you're doing stuff outside, especially climbing, it's going to be gnarly and you're probably not going to be trying your hardest projects ever. It's just not, it's not the prime time. It's not your performance season. So most of us, myself included, I do other activities. I uh, either train in the gym for climbing, which I do all summer long. I'll do some type of training block, but I'm also doing things like riding my bike and walking a lot and maybe paddleboarding every once in a while. And then come fall is really when I dedicate myself to my quote unquote performance season or in season when I'm actually trying hard outside to, you know, send some stuff, send some projects. Maybe for you, if you are a cyclist or a runner, maybe your performance season is really a time where you are doing a bunch of races. Or maybe you're not really enrolled in a race, but you're really trying to push your limits and do that really far, you know, link up that you're wanting to do or that super epic trail run, like whatever it may be, feel free to really customize this to fit you and your particular sport the best. The time of transition between a training or off season to a performance season is such a critical time not to screw up. So there are obviously a lot of physical tactics to this, right? Like approaching this from a physical perspective, but it's also super important to consider from a nutrition and fueling angle as well. So this is definitely something that I work on closely with clients to really ensure they perform at their best, right? They are able to increase their potential for success. They reduce their chance of injury. And especially, which this one I see a lot, is they eliminate the potential for a burnout, either mid-season or late season. I see this all the time, and I have actually done this myself, is I really screw up the transition. I you know, do all these wrong things that I'm telling you to avoid. And unfortunately, I end up cutting my season short because I'm just done. I'm burnt out. I'm over it. I am underfueled. Like all the things. It just is a recipe for disaster. So today we're going to cover the five mistakes I see normally during this transition, and then I'm going to tell you what you can do to help avoid them and not do them so you can have the best, most successful, and sustainable season possible. 
And at the end of this episode, I'm going to answer a few questions that I got on this topic from Instagram. So if you submitted a question, make sure you stay tuned until the very end. And some of these topics are going to include increasing energy, soreness, water intake as it gets cooler, as well as bloating or feeling just generally uncomfortable when you are performing outside. So if those ring a bell, make sure you listen till the very end. And lastly, before we dive into these five things, just a major theme that I want to really drive home here is that you do not want to let all of your effort during your training season or your off season, whether that be a rest or a different sport, like you don't want to let any of that go to waste. And you can really avoid that by not doing the following things. So let's get in that. Let's get into that. So number one, the number one mistake to avoid is not increasing your overall energy intake to meet your new energetic needs. And I'm talking calories here. So your overall food consumption. So when you're transitioning from a training season to a performance season, your movements have changed. Like the type of movement that you're doing is different. And oftentimes it's going to be a lot more. For example, taking climbers again. So if you're doing gym training all summer long, you're driving to the gym and you're just walking straight in the gym, (laughs) that's going to be very different, uh, a very different energetic demand than it would be to driving to the crag, walking for 30 or however many minutes it takes you to approach the climb and then getting your day started. So just in general, your energetic needs are going to increase during this time. And it's going to be really, really important that you match that with your food. And especially during this transition time, your body is going to take some time to adjust. It's going to take some time to get used to the increased energy demands, and you're likely going to have to increase your overall food consumption during this time to help your body cope with the added stress of this change. This might even out later, you know, as your body adjusts, like, okay, this is what we're doing now. We are climbing outside again. (laughs) But during the transition period, it's going to be super, super crucial that you provide your body with an abundance of energy to really support everything that's going on. And just, again, to support the transition between having just a, a generally larger output than you've been used to this past couple months or whatever your previous phase was. So here are some things to look out for so you do not make this mistake. First, do not restrict your calories. Do not restrict your food consumption during this time. You, your in-season time, this is not the time for body composition changes, right? If you're trying to do any sort of leaning up, adding on muscle, like whatever that may be, that's not an in-season phase at all. That should be a training phase. That should be off season. It should be separate from trying to perform. So ideally, you would start to make this shift before your season actually begins. It's like a preparation phase. So you would start to be eating more, increasing your calories overall, you know, a few weeks maybe before you're actually going to start getting outside and getting after it. Next thing to look out for to not make this mistake is don't skip meals, right? Just don't do it. Eat three meals a day, have some snacks, and especially do not engage in super long or really any type of fasting. You should be consuming food throughout the entire day. You know, of course, you can leave that normal 12 
hour window or so between dinner and breakfast, like when you're sleeping, that's pretty standard, that's pretty normal, but don't go any longer than 12 hours. All right, another thing to look out for is don't only rely on your hunger cues. Sometimes during this transition, you might feel hungrier. You know, as your energy demands increase, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, like man, I'm really ravenous right now. I really experienced this when I transitioned to riding my bike more. I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. I'm hungry, I need to eat more. But that's not always the case. You might not feel any hungrier than you normally do. And in fact, sometimes, depending on what type of activity you're doing, you might actually experience less hunger during this transition phase. So my tip for you here is don't rely on your hunger cues. You have to use your external knowledge, knowing that you have to increase your calorie consumption and just doing it anyways, even if your body isn't telling you to. And last little tip in this department, if you struggle with increasing your calories overall, try these couple things. The first would be to add in a second breakfast, super easy. So have something first thing when you wake up and then, you know, maybe three hours later or so, have a second breakfast. Maybe that's just a yogurt with granola and some berries or another slice of toast. But that is a really easy way to just bump up those calories a little bit without feeling like it's a chore. The second tip there would be to have an evening snack. Yes, eat after dinner, you are totally allowed. Uh, Maybe it's a little bowl of cereal or again, a piece of toast. And I'm actually gonna go in to more of this later. I'm gonna talk about what an evening snack could look like. So stay tuned for a little bit more on that topic here in a moment. All right, moving on to the second mistake to avoid when transitioning from a training block to a performance season. So this is going to be not adjusting your macronutrients or the ratios of your macronutrients to meet the new energy systems being used in this new phase. Okay, so what do I mean when I'm saying energy systems? So there are three types of energy systems that we use when we move our bodies in any shape or form. So I'm just super briefly gonna touch on these because I think it's important to understand how these are gonna change with the changing of seasons. So the first is our ATPPC system, otherwise known as like the creatine system or the phosphagen system. The second is the anaerobic energy system, which you've probably heard of. And the third, which you've also probably heard of, is the aerobic energy system. So the ATPPC system is used very quickly. So within the first like zero to 10 seconds of movement, this is the type of energy that you're using. The second aerobic, this happens from around 30 seconds to one and a half minutes. So any movement that you're doing, whether that be a sprint or like multiple reps of a bicep curl, for example, like however much happens within 30 seconds to a minute, you're gonna be using the anaerobic energy system. Finally, the aerobic energy system starts to kick in when exercise lasts longer than three minutes. And intensity also plays a role with this. So we can think of higher intensity movement that falls in the first two energy systems, especially the anaerobic, and then lower intensity, lower intensity, longer duration activity is more of the aerobic system. 
Okay, so why am I even talking about this? Well, we use different types of fuel, aka different types of macronutrients or food in these different energy systems. So as we transition from different types of movement, we're also going to have to consider, okay, what type of food is going to help me maximize my energy for this particular activity or movement? So let me give you a little example here with my own situation. So during the summer, I was doing a lot of indoor bouldering. I was doing a lot of limit bouldering, really trying hard. And also I pair this with a lot of strength training as well. So I was primarily working in the anaerobic energy systems throughout my entire training period. So that is going to be, again, that like 30 second to a minute and a half movement. And I am using primarily glucose carbohydrates during that. And it's also important to take into account intensity as well. As intensity goes up, our demand for carbohydrates also goes up. So I was really needing quick carbohydrates and fuel overall to really help sustain my training over summer. Now, the transition to fall. I am really shifting more into that aerobic energy system. I am sport climbing. I am walking to and from the crag, obviously, with a nice long approach. I'm generally in a lower intensity, especially at the beginning of the season, as I'm really just kind of getting more comfortable back on rock again. I'm not projecting super hard yet. So I'm definitely more in this aerobic energy system now. And so, yes, I'm still requiring glucose or carbohydrates for fuel. But at this lower intensity, I'm also going to start burning more fat for fuel as well. So the point that I'm trying to make here is my energy systems are shifting during this transition time. So I'm going to have to reconsider how many carbohydrates I'm eating every day. I'm going to have to consider if I'm eating enough healthy fat and just really enough calories overall to really help support that lower intensity fat burning phase. So again, this transition is going to be super important for you to adjust your macronutrient needs and the ratios to really meet the new energy systems that you are fulfilling in this uh, new performance season. So here are a couple tips to help you avoid making this mistake. First is to really sit down and take a look at what you're currently eating right now and how that might need to be adjusted for your performance season. Are you going to have to increase the amount of carbohydrates, for example, that you're consuming? Whether that be overall, like your baseline carbs, as well as how much you're eating before, during, and after activity. I would also take a look at your protein consumption as well. Make sure you are getting a substantial and optimal amount of protein to really help stave off protein catabolism or muscle breakdown. This is going to be especially important as you're shifting into longer duration, lower intensity activities. So in my case, I would definitely want to make sure I'm getting enough protein consumption as I'm shifting into more of an aerobic energy system for my performance phase. And also make sure you're just consuming enough and adequate amounts of healthy fats in your baseline nutrition just to again support your overall energy balance and intake overall. 
That was definitely kind of a simplistic way to look at energy systems, but if you're feeling a little confused, I would definitely suggest maybe doing a little research online or just meeting with a practitioner so they could really sort out these nitty gritty differences in your energy systems and help you adjust your macronutrient compositions as your seasons change. Okay, moving on to mistake to avoid number three. This is not having your fueling strategies planned out. Oh boy, this is a biggie, guys. <laughs> if you're thinking right now like, oh yeah, I do not have a strategy or a plan as to how I eat during my performance days, whether that be your race, your day climbing outside, bouldering, whatever it is, and this is definitely a crucial step not to miss. So of course, this takes a little bit of trial and error, and that is something that you should be doing during the transition, is really taking into account how everything is working for you and then adjusting as needed. But you should have a general idea of what you need to eat and when during your performance days before you start getting outside. So a couple rules of thumb to really help you not screw this up. (laughs) First would be, no matter your sport, aim to eat every hour that you are out if your activity is going to be lasting longer than an hour. So just a super general rule of thumb, you want to be shooting for anywhere around 30 to 90 grams of carbohydrates, depending on your activities. And again, this needs to take into account the intensity and just the overall duration. So if you're an ultra marathoner, you're going to be shooting for that higher end 90 grams per hour. If you're just going out for like a super mellow sport climbing day, maybe you're shooting for that 30 grams an hour. Lots of variability here. Definitely work with someone ideally or, you know, experiment on yourself to see what works best for you and your activity. Second tip in this department is plan ahead. Don't wait until the morning of or even just the evening before to try to figure this all out, right? Like take some time, block off 30 minutes to an hour, do a little research. If you're interested, you can always go back and listen to my fueling strategies for indoor climbing because you could still gain a little bit of insight from there as well just to give you an idea of maybe what to be doing outside as well. But yeah, plan ahead. Don't just wait till the last minute and make sure you're really thinking about this beforehand. Last tip here is don't try anything new day of. I can't stress this point more than I am now because it's really important for you to eat foods that you're familiar with, that you've had before, that you know work well during your performance days to really set you up for success and also just to stave off any type of digestive or GI issues that might come up. Whether you're participating in a race or just climbing outside and maybe your nerves are activated a little bit, you're feeling a little anxious, like that can all trigger a host of digestive issues. And so really making sure that you're eating foods that you're familiar with and that you know work well is going to be crucial for just helping you feel good and negate any of those issues day of. Okie doke, moving on to mistake to avoid numero quattro. Number four is going to be not prioritizing sleep and rest. This should be a no-brainer, but I have to talk to my clients about it all the time, and that's why I'm talking to you about it, because this is something not to neglect and definitely not to overlook. 
So look, here's the deal. So much is compromised metabolically when we get poor sleep or just if you don't get enough sleep. Muscle protein synthesis is impacted. So really your body's ability to rebuild and repair your muscle is going to be impacted if you're not getting enough rest and sleep. Blood sugar is another one. Every time that you get crappy sleep or if you don't get enough sleep, your blood sugar is actually pretty severely impacted. And so what I mean by blood sugar is the your body's ability to regulate your blood sugar becomes less sensitive than if you were to get adequate amounts of sleep. And this is going to have a huge downstream effect on your overall energy levels, your ability to utilize the energy that you have coming in, especially sugar, and that's all gonna impact your performance. And lastly, stress and cortisol, right? So every time that you get poor sleep or it's impacted, your stress response is off. And we do not need any more stress in our lives. We want to be resilient. We want to show up and feel mentally fantastic and just ready to crush whatever sport we're wanting to do. We want to hit our goals. And in order to do this, we have to regulate our stress response. We have to have a healthy cortisol curve happening throughout the day. And sleep is essential for this. Here are my top tips for avoiding this mistake. The first is get good sleep hygiene. Not get good sleep hygiene, rather have and practice good sleep hygiene. So this includes shutting off your devices or at least bright blue screens about two hours before your bedtime, dimming the lights around sunset, so really turning off large overhead lights, aiming for you know, some mood lighting, some table lighting, anything that is more muted. And also keeping your room as cool as possible. So opening a window whenever it starts to cool down outside, turn on the AC if you have it, really cool down your room. You wanna aim for like 65 degrees and try to make it really dark. Those are all good sleep hygiene tips to practice every single night. And from a food perspective on sleep and rest, there are actually a couple things that you can do before bed that can help overall. So the first would be having some protein before bed, whether that's a little protein shake, um, it could be like a slice of turkey, maybe some cheese. Having a little protein before bed has been shown to reduce muscle breakdown in, in the middle of the night. So it's actually going to basically help your body not break down protein during that fasted state. So it's actually been shown to really help recovery in that sense. Um, And also, if you tend to wake up in the middle of the night, like pretty regularly, have some complex carbohydrates before bed as well. This is in regards to blood sugar balance. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night, that's because your blood sugar has dipped too low. And now your body is basically waking you up and telling you like, hey, we are in a not great state. (laughs) Like We have to raise your blood glucose. And so part of that is increasing epinephrine, aka adrenaline, as well as cortisol, which is going to cause you to wake up. So bottom line, have a snack before bed. Have some protein and pair that with a little carbohydrate and just keep it super light and just see how you feel. See how it impacts your sleep especially during this super pivotal transition period where your body just needs a little extra love. All right, the fifth and final mistake to avoid when transitioning from an 
indoor or training phase to an outdoor performance season is not eating enough on your rest days. So here's the deal. Your baseline nutrition should be just that, a baseline. Anything extra that you need to really help support your workouts or your performance should be additional fuel on top of your baseline nutrition. So eating less on your rest days is not a thing. Like don't even make that a thing for you. In fact, you should probably actually be eating more because your body is in a state of rest. It's really using that time to recover, resynthesize, support all the things. So as much as you can support that process by really giving yourself nourishing, nutrient-dense foods is going to be crucial. So again, this should be a no-brainer, but skipping meals or like I said, eating less on recipes is just a recipe for underfueling. You do not want to be in a deficit at all in your performance season, so just make sure you're staying on top of this and planning ahead a little bit too so you don't get yourself into a sticky situation where you end up maybe unintentionally underfueling just because you didn't plan ahead. Some foods to consider adding in on your rest days just to make sure that you're really eating enough and again, supporting your body are going to be omega-3 fatty acids. So you can find these fatty acids in things like walnuts, flax seeds, salmon, and just generally any cold water fatty fish. You could also take like a fish oil supplement. That's also a good option for most. And just healthy fats in general. So olive oil, butter, ghee, avocado, olives. Add healthy fats to your meal to really make sure you're supporting just enough calorie consumption on your rest days. Plenty of protein. I love to give the tip, diversify your protein, have different sources, whether that be plant-based, animal-based, switch it up. Your body loves to get different compositions of amino acids coming in to work with. Obviously, an abundance of fruits and veggies. And finally, dessert. Yes, have dessert on your rest days for so many reasons. First of all, this really reinforces the fact that you do not need to exercise or really do anything to earn food at all, whether that be a sweet or just any type of food. And dessert is so satisfying and so fun. And what a better way to enjoy a beautiful rest day than by celebrating with a super tasty dessert of some kind, whether that's going out and getting a little scoop of ice cream or making some delicious cookies at home, like whatever suits you best, include dessert on your rest days and you will thank me later. All right, those are definitely the top things to avoid during this transition phase, whatever sport you're doing. So just to recap, you are going to want to increase your overall energy intake, aka calories, to meet your new energetic needs. Two, adjust your macronutrients, the ratios, to meet the new energy systems that are being used in this new phase. Three, have your fueling strategies planned out ahead of time so you really go in with a battle plan of action, ready to go and ready to adjust as needed. Four, make sure you are prioritizing quality sleep and quality rest. And five, make sure you're eating enough on rest days. Include those foods, have some dessert, don't skip meals. Before we sign off, I am going to answer a few listener questions. So I love to post a little question box 
on Instagram the week before the episode airs. And I like to ask you, what do you struggle struggle with in the particular topic that I'm going to cover that following week? And so here are the questions that I got in regards to what people struggle with when they are transitioning from a indoor training block to an outdoor performance season. The first asked or stated, generally increasing energy levels at the crag, especially climbing multiple days in a row. So that's a great question. I think this definitely applies to weekend warriors. If you're going hard like two days back to back on Saturday and Sunday or whatever that weekend is for you, definitely keep this in mind. So the first thing that I would take a look at is your pre-climb meal. This pre-climb meal, oftentimes it's going to be breakfast, right? If you're doing a full day out, that needs to be optimized. There's only so much you can do when you actually start the activity, like your intra climbing nutrition, but you like that helps. But what really, really makes a difference is your pre activity, your pre climbing meal. So make sure that you're having enough protein in that meal to really keep you satiated throughout the day. You're having a an adequate amount of carbohydrates. I would aim for complex carbohydrates here so you don't bonk quickly. It really helps sustain your energy. And if you can tolerate it, maybe even a little bit of healthy fat in there too, whether that's like a little nut butter or anything of the sort, Greek yogurt, um, because that will also help sustain your energy levels throughout the day. Uh, Second thing to consider here is eat every hour that you are out. I know that I gave some ranges earlier in today's episode. Um, I think that was in topic or mistake to avoid maybe three or four, I forget. But I definitely gave some uh, ranges there. So listen and take a look there. And finally, make sure you're eating a protein-rich meal as soon as you're done with climbing, especially that first day, because that's really going to accelerate your recovery, and it's going to help stabilize your blood sugar so you don't bonk. And that's the last thing that you want to do, especially if you're doing back-to-back days, is bonk on that first day, because then you're just going to be in a bonk cave, as I like to call it, a deep, deep hole the second day. So prevent it, have a good breakfast, eat every hour that you're out, have some quality protein right after. All right, the second listener question is soreness, exclamation mark, already experiencing here. Totally feel that, especially during the transition phase, right? We're using different energies, different movements again. So yeah, soreness is totally present a lot of the time. Um, Again, on the protein end here, so it's really crucial, especially when performing longer activities. For us, if you're climbing outside, we're out for like six hours, eight hours sometimes. So it's really, really important that you're consuming protein throughout the day because that is going to help, again, reduce that protein breakdown throughout the day. It's going to prevent it. And also, like I just mentioned, after your session as soon as possible. So you're wanting to make sure that this protein source is a complete protein source, meaning that it has all of the essential and non-essential amino acids in there, and especially making sure that it contains the BCAAs or branched chain amino acids because those are crucial for recovery. I'm not a huge fan of buying separate BCAA powders. Like I don't think that's necessary. If you just have like a really good high quality complete protein powder, it already has BCAAs in it, so you're good to go. The second tip here would be to increase 
Tory Foods, um, but especially the few days before and after your event or your day out, whatever that may be. So some anti-inflammatory foods to start adding in would be, again, omega-3 fatty acids. I talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, Any foods that are really high in antioxidants. So basically anything bright and colorful. You can think berries and root vegetables and anything vibrant, greens. Um, Microgreens are great here in this category as well. Things like broccoli sprouts. Um, Any aromatic herbs, so cilantro, rosemary, oregano, like fresh herbs. Um, I always like to suggest building your meals around these foods that contain antioxidants, so you're really making sure you have some in every single meal. It's also just a really fun way to boost flavor and make your food look really pretty, and you're getting a, a nutritional and soreness benefit out of it as well. And lastly, there are a few supplements that have been researched that have been shown to reduce soreness after activity. One is curcumin or turmeric. So curcumin is the active anti-inflammatory compound found in turmeric. So making something like a uh, a curry, like a yellow curry with some of those warm, aromatic herbs and antioxidant veggies, like that would be an awesome dish here. Tart Jerry Juice is another one. I can't say I've ever tried it personally. Um, Or Beetroot Juice, that's the other one as well. Very high in um, phenolic compounds as well as other just anti-inflammatory compounds as well that have just been shown in the literature to reduce soreness. But again, I haven't tried this. So if you do try it, let me know your experience and I'll be curious to hear. Just a side note, those two juices you would want to consume Uh, after your exercise or after your effort as quickly as possible or as soon as possible rather. Okay, listener question number three. Once it gets cooler, I stop drinking as much water. Yes, totally relate. Not only like outside, but just in general as well. It's definitely hard to want to drink water when it's a little colder out. Um, So a couple tips here. First would just be to have an electrolyte beverage in the morning before you even go out. So whatever your preferred electrolyte mix is, whether that be Element or Ultima, those are my two favorites. Or you can make your own by squeezing a little uh, lemon juice and a pinch of high quality sea salt in some water. Great way to just jumpstart the hydration, get ahead of it. That's really important. On that same note, you could also bring a separate container of water or a separate little water bottle rather with electrolytes in it to the crag. So you could have like your regular water and then just a little separate electrolyte beverage that you could sip on. Bonus if it's flavored. I tend to want to drink more when it's cold when my beverage is flavored. I feel like that just kind of helps motivate there. And lastly here, this is my personal favorite tip. Not for everyone, I suppose, depending on your approach, but bringing hot tea to the crag is a game changer. So my partner and I, we actually have a big like heavy duty camping thermos <laughs> that we bring. We just like brew some yerba mate or herbal tea, like whatever your tea of choice is and bring it to the crag. And oh my gosh, it's a great way to A, warm yourself up when it definitely gets cold, but B, stay hydrated because you're still consuming water 
tea, especially decaffeinated or herbal tea, is very hydrating. And I suppose you could even just bring like a little hydro flask or even like a smaller version of that as well if you don't want to lug a giant thermos in your pack all the way down to the crag. But love that tip for hydration. Okay, last but not least from the listener questions is not sure what to eat outside without feeling gross and bloated while climbing. So yeah, a lot of different things. So first I would say practice your food on non-climbing days or on training days. So this would be a great time to do before the transition happening is happening. While you're still in your off season or while you're still in your training phase, start experimenting with different foods that you feel like you might wanna take out to the crag. Super essential. No new foods should be introduced on your day of. I talked about this again earlier in the episode, so definitely rewind, check that out. We want to negate or minimize any type of GI upset as possible, so just stick with foods that you know. Another tip here is to eat smaller quantities more often. So maybe you need to eat like every 30 minutes, but it's just like a little nibble. It's just like a little bite of things here and there. That's definitely a way to help like that bloated feeling and just help things move through you a little bit quicker. And finally here, so I would aim for light protein sources that digest really well. So maybe that's like turkey jerky as opposed to beef jerky. Or maybe if you can tolerate cheese, maybe it's like a light cheese. Um, A lot of like on the go protein sources are also fats, which are great because they're very nutrient dense. I'm thinking of like cheese and nuts or yogurt, for example. I don't know if you would really take yogurt to the crag, but that's just what came to mind. But sometimes, especially nuts, can be a little bit harder to digest. So again, taking a little bit of uh, proactiveness here and maybe soaking your nuts to make them more easily digestible or maybe choosing seeds instead of nuts. Again, this all takes a trial and error, but choose things that you can experiment with beforehand and then try to lighten up your protein overall. And finally, choose lower fiber options. So sometimes I see people, which is super healthy snack, but I see people bring like hummus and carrots and celery to the crag. And although those are all wonderful, fabulous whole foods, they're also very fibrous. So you're wanting to keep fiber to a minimum when you're performing. Fiber slows down your digestive system, it backs everything up, and if especially you're prone to feeling bloated or just like a little heavy or uncomfortable while climbing, aim for really simple, easy to digest, low fiber foods instead. All right, everyone, that is everything that I have for you today. I hope you were able to learn a little bit and I hope you are able to apply some of this information to your own transition period. And I hope because of this, you are able to have a super successful, super baller performance season whenever that happens for you. Just a reminder, make sure you check out the show notes to find the link to the Weekend Warrior Workshop that we'll be hosting on October 18th over Zoom. 
And the best way to support me right now is if you are enjoying this podcast, give me a super quick rating. So whether you are on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, it's a little different on each platform, but either scroll down or take a quick peek and find the star rating button. It'll take you 10 seconds. All you have to do is click the number of stars you want to give me and getting a few more ratings on this podcast. It just helps other people know that you are enjoying it and that it might be able to help them as well. Thank you very much for listening and until next time.